morning. Oh, you can play a little music for me, too? That's awesome. That's so nice. Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. At Barah Ministries, we know this truth, that Jesus Christ is God. As Lord, he is 100% deity. He is God the Son. He is also 100% human, just like you and me, and his name is Jesus Christ. The Lord, God the Son, became flesh, Jesus Christ, and lived among us. He is the sovereign God of the universe. He is the Savior of the whole world. He is the Jewish Messiah, and he is on our side. And those who make Barah Ministries their spiritual home are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. As Christians, we have a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is a person. He is not a thing. He is not a concept. Just as we do with any person we love, we spend time getting to know the Lord through the study of his word because you can't get to know the Lord without knowing his mind. And the Bible is his exact thinking. It's not a bunch of stories. It's not a bunch of fables. It's not a bunch of made-up stuff. It is the actual thoughts dictated by God, the actual thoughts of God dictated by God. Well, noise intimidates. I know I look like a very mild-mannered person, but I do know a little Taekwondo. And as I was learning Taekwondo, one of the things we learned is that noise intimidates. If you just throw a front punch and you don't say anything, that's one thing. But if you throw a front punch, that's a whole different thing. And the same thing goes for basketball. If you want to be quiet when you're defending somebody in basketball, that's one thing. But if you're talking smack and you're talking in their ear and you're irritating them all the time, that makes a difference. There was one guy that I used to defend, and I always knew exactly where he wanted to go on the floor to catch the ball because he, he liked doing this little thing. He'd catch the ball, and you'd hear his feet. And when you, if he caught the ball and you heard his feet go like that, you might as well just go back down to the other end of the court because he was about a 90, 90% shooter for, from there. And I just decided, you are not getting to that spot. And so I just kept talking to him. You're not getting to that spot. And he's fumbling the ball and everything, and he's all nervous. Stop talking to me. I'm not going to stop talking to you. Why? Because noise intimidates. I, t- I went over to his coach. I said, take him out. He's not doing anything today. Take him out. Just get him out. And his coach just laughed. So noise intimidates. And the ruler of this world, the enemy of God, Satan, has his foul mouth in full roar today. In addition to the unrelenting mental pressure that he inflicts on believers in Christ through the flesh resident in us, he now has his minions inflicting physical pressure on us from the outside taking away our freedoms, our pastimes, our social interaction, our careers, and our very way of life, placing us in solitary confinement. There is a reason that prisons have a thing called solitary confinement, because it drives you absolutely crazy to be with the one person you hate the most, yourself. Amen? And so... 
We, but here's the thing that's been so beautiful about having our freedoms taken away. We, go, we went there willingly. We went there willingly. And you know, I love all the people who are talking about this. Well, when things get back to normal, your new normal is you don't have any freedoms. That's your new normal. It's not going to be like it was before. It's going to be different. And so you better start reinventing yourself and planning for this new world that you're going to live in where you don't have any freedom because it's not going back to the way it was. That's biblical. That's not a guess. And all the people who are telling you in the world that it's going to go back to normal, oh, this is only going to be until April 30th. And you go, oh, phew. Yeah, I think I can make it till April 30th. And then what happens? Oh, Surprise, June 30th. Up, oh, surprise, it may never go back that way. You know, I, I think President Trump said something about the NFL is going to start on time. The California governor said, not in this state, it's not. Tyrants. Tyrants. This is the exact reason why the United States became a nation. Read the Declaration of Independence and you'll find out exactly why we became a nation because we weren't willing to put up with tyrants. And now that is not our situation. We are very willing to put up with tyrants who are bossing us around and telling us what we can and can't go, what we can and can't do, and, and pumping out false statistics about stuff that they don't have to prove. If it's said on TV... It's a fact. If it's said on the Internet, it's a fact. And we don't check it out because over the last 20 years, we have become passive learners. And anybody who disagrees with the company line is a conspiracy theorist. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. So noise intimidates. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 24 and 25, the Lord warned the Jewish race about a time to come in the future. Here's what he said. He said, false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Who are the elect? Believers in Christ. We are the ones who were elected to the privilege of salvation because we chose to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 24, 25, the Lord says, Behold, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, have told you in advance. I can stand here with confidence and say what I just said because it is not my opinion. Because I have told you over and over and over again that my opinion in $2.40 will get you a cup of Starbucks coffee. My opinion in the spiritual realm matters not at all. But what the Bible says matters a whole lot. And we've been taught that this is just a bunch of stories. It's not. It's the exact thinking of the sovereign God of the universe, and anything you want to know, he tells you in here, and there's 66 books, and you're only responsible for 27 of them, which you can read one chapter at a time in less than a year. And even if you just read it, even if you aren't taught it, but you just read it, 
It will tell you everything you want to know. But we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. I've told a lot of people that I know, listen to the lessons that I'm teaching. Listen to them. Oh, I don't have time for that. They don't have time for that. They got time to watch burn notice. They got time to binge watch burn notice. They got time to binge watch Netflix, but they don't have time to hear two hours of truth. They got time to hear all those liars on TV pumping them with fear and anxiety and scarcity. But they don't have time to hear the truth. No, you don't want to hear the truth. And so it's not any different now that we're in crisis than it was before we were in crisis because we don't want to hear the truth. We don't like honesty. We call anyone who's honest brutally honest because we don't want to hear honesty. We want to hear what we want to hear. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that in latter times they will gather teachers to themselves who tickle their ears. And the tickling that we're listening to now is the tickling of fear and the tickling of anxiety and the tickling of scarcity. And it's a shame. And the Lord warned us about it. He warns the Jews that this will be the case toward the end of the tribulation, which is the next era after the church age. I taught on that last week. And it's happening right now in the church age because the church age is filled with the trends that will be the case as the world moves on. We have been warned by our Lord. And even though these words of warning are intended for Israel and the Jewish race at a future time, they are very real right now for us as church age believers. But here's the thing. Little did we expect that the false prophets that the Lord is mentioning in Matthew 24, 24, and 25 would be a news media that is sending messages of fear, anxiety, and scarcity to intimidate us and to deceive us. And it is working even with the elect, even with believers in Christ. We're sitting in our homes and we are down. We are depressed. Because we're listening to that crap. You have to be careful what you let into your ears. You have to be careful what you let into your children's ears. This is a wake-up call to parents. Now, parents, you know, there's going to be a a lot of murders of children. Amen? There's going to be a lot of murders of children because parents are not equipped to homeschool their kids. Parents are gaining a whole new appreciation for teachers. If for no other reason, even if the teachers aren't doing a good job, just take these people, please, for eight hours. Amen? Amen. So, but, but here's the thing. One of the things that homeschooling does is it lets you get to monitor on a long, for a long period of time what's going into your kids' heads and what you are allowing to teach them. And what you are allowing to teach them, because you don't want to raise them, is video games and TV and all kind of stimulation that is putting absolute crap in their head. And you wouldn't make them read Beowulf if your life depended on it as a parent. You wouldn't make them read Call of the Wild. You wouldn't make them read a book, look up the words in the dictionary. Remember dictionaries? Look up a word in a dictionary that they didn't understand and then bring you the list. Because thinking requires vocabulary. 
And if you don't read, you don't develop vocabulary. If they see a word and they don't know what it is, they skim it. They don't develop vocabulary so that they can think. And then when they get older and they get a $10,000 bonus at work, what's the first thing they do? They spend it all. Because they've never read one thing about how to be financially responsible. Because we as parents aren't preparing them to be adults. So it's excellent. We're getting a, 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 an excellent view of what our lifestyle really is. And it's amazing. So, while the news media, prompted by Satan and his world system of darkness, are intimidating the world, they're not intimidating past the ghetto boy. Amen? You can't intimidate somebody who comes from the ghetto. You can't. How can you scare someone who comes from nothing, who is nothing, and who's been given something by an amazing God, the something being a so great salvation that I cannot lose, that I cannot screw up no matter what I do? How do you scare me? Death scares me. Death is a promotion for me. Are you worried about dying? No. I'm worried about you, because I don't know what y'all will do without me, but I ain't worried, because I know where I'm going to be, absent from the body and face-to-face with my Lord, forever, in a place of no more sorrow, no more tears, the old things have passed away, behold, new things have come, a place exceeding and abundantly beyond anything I could ever ask or think. You can't depress me. You can't discourage me. You can't discourage or depress somebody who's from nowhere, from the ghetto. Because anything that's not the hood is good to me. Believers in Christ cannot be intimidated. The Lord has been preparing for us for this time in advance when no need was apparent. Amen? Now, the need is here, and we're reminded that we are filled, indwelled by the entire Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit inside of us, walking around with us all the time. It means something now. And we are filled with the comfort of his word in every aspect of our everyday life. Believers in Christ do not have a God of social distancing. Bette Midler was wrong in her song, she said, we have a God who's watching us from a distance. She was wrong. We have a God of intimacy and connection. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 5 say this, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, am the true vine, and my God, the Father, is the vine dresser, the owner and cultivator of the vineyard. John 15, 2, every branch that professes to be in me, that does not bear fruit, and that's a reference to unbelievers, God the Father cuts off. And every branch that bears fruit, and that's the fruit of the Spirit from believers in Christ, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness, you know, I forget at seven. (laughs) There's one more. You find out what it is for me, Deacon Denny. Galatians 5, 22, 23, I know I'm missing one. Self-control, what, kindness, self-faithful, yeah, whatever. 
But anyway, the fruit of the Spirit from believers in Christ, God the Father prunes it so that it may bear fruit, bear more fruit. That's what God is doing for us. Our trials, these trials for believers in Christ are pruning by God. John 15, 3. You believer apostles, this is Jesus Christ talking to the apostles on the night before he was crucified, are already clean because of the word, the gospel message, which I have spoken to you and which you have believed. That was 11 of the 12. Judas Iscariot did not believe what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying in the gospel message. John 15, 4. Abide in union with me and I indwelling you. For just as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in union with me. To abide means to make your home with, to live with, to cling to. And that's what we're doing. We're clinging to the Lord. John fifteen five. That gets you excited, Larry. You got that at the bottom of all your emails, the cling to part. John 15, 5, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, am the vine, and you believers in Christ are the branches, and the Holy Spirit's enabling power is the sap. It's the life force running through from the vine to the branches. And he who abides in union with me and I indwelling him, he bears much fruit. That's believers in Christ. For apart from me, you can do nada. To my Mexican friends, nada. That means nothing. Amen? All right, then. Tracy Bixby over in Santa Rosa, California, is getting all misty-eyed right now because I just gave uh, an analogy for the wine country. And she's going to go out today and look around at all the vineyards around and just get weepy because she heard John 15, 5, 1 through 5. The Lord is always recommending connectedness. John chapter 10, verses 11 to 15. I, the Lord Jesus Christ, am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 12. He who is a hired hand and who is not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. Why? He's only concerned for himself, selfish. And the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. John 10, 13. The hired hand flees because he is a hired hand. He's not concerned about the sheep. John 10, 14. I, the Lord Jesus Christ, am the good shepherd. And I know my own and my sheep. I, I know my own sheep and my sheep know me. See, the hired hand is coin-operated. The hired hand is transactional. You pay me, I'll look at the sheep, but I'm not, you're not paying me to be around when the wolf comes. That's not our Lord. What is our Lord like? John 10, 15. He said it in 10, 11, and he's saying it again in 10, 15. Even as God the Father knows me and I know God the Father, and I... The Lord Jesus Christ lay down my life for the sheep. And everybody who claims to be God, everybody who has claimed to be God over the whole of history did not do that one requirement to be God, and that is 
to lay down his life for the sheep and then to be raised from the dead. And that's why that sign is behind my head. Jesus Christ is God. He is deity and humanity in one person forever. Amen? And he laid down his life for the sheep. And so what are you worried about? You worried about what somebody on CNN told you this week? About what your future is going to be? You're going to listen to that idiot instead of listening to what God has been telling you for years and years and years? You're going to get scared? You think they're going to scare the ghetto boy? They're not going to scare the ghetto boy. Because they don't know what they're talking about. And what's coming out of my mouth is coming from that and not from my opinion. It's coming from the Bible. And the Bible is the exact thinking of your God. And he says, I lay down my life for you. Okay, so if I laid down my life for you, you think I'm not going to take care of you in the midst of a crisis like a virus? You think I'm going to go let you go out like a punk? What do I have to worry about? No, my worry was getting home every day when I was alive when I was in the ghetto. My home is not being in my nice house worried that some virus is going to come creeping in through the door and, and take me out like a punk. It's not happening. That's not how this amazing God that we believe in works. But, oh, but y'all are too busy to hear about what he's got planned for you. So go listen to CNN, go listen to Fox News, because they know. They don't know jack. They're just as scared as you are. There's no reason for us to be scared. And in case you didn't hear it, in that last passage, the Lord mentioned it twice. He lays down his very life for his sheep. And you, as a believer in Christ, are one of his sheep. Barah Ministries makes a difference by teaching the word of God from the Lord Jesus Christ's perspective and not from man's perspective. I'm sick of hearing man's perspective. We search the scriptures to learn who the Lord is as a person, to learn what our God has to say about himself, what his plan for all mankind is, and what his personal plan is for each of us. And once you get to know how amazing the Lord is, let's, let's just start with the first thing. He is fair. If you know he's fair, then you know that you're only going to be treated in a fair manner. And it would not be fair for him to put you down here and then not support you. He's going to take care of your bills. Yeah, you're going to have a rough road because somebody was interfering with your game. But he's going to take care of it. And maybe not like the expectation you have in your mind. Maybe you don't won't win the lottery. If you won the lottery, you wouldn't know what to do with the money anyway. I'll call me and I'll tell you what to do with it. <laughs> three million of it anyway, amen? I take the first three million right off the top and then I tell you what to do with the rest of it. You would never work another day in your life if you didn't want to. Yeah, just like that. We have an amazing God who's on our side, who's going to take care of us no matter what. I'm not scared. I'm not worried. I'm not anxious. I'm trying to muster it up. I want to feel, I want to feel it. Because all the people I'm talking to are that way. I want to I empathize with you, but I can't. I got too much truth in my soul. I can't relate. But I've always been a freak. You'll hear about that a little later. So we are here 
to learn how to enjoy the sphere of grace, forgiveness, and unconditional love in which we believers in Christ stand, especially in the midst of complete chaos that is engulfing the world right now. Welcome to a place of peace. Today's Bible lesson, where is the Lord's hand in times of crisis? Where is the Lord's hand in times of crisis? I'll just give you a hint. It's on the steering wheel. It's the same place your hand is at when you're in the car. It's on the steering wheel. So you can direct the car. God is directing the universe. In a time of lack and in times of abundance, we have a God who is always right here. A God who is always with us. A God who is always planning for us. A God who is always providing for us. A God who is always protecting us. Psalm 46 verse 1 says this, God is our refuge. What's a refuge? A place you run in a storm. And our strength, what is that? When you're weak, he is strong. An omnipresent help in times of trouble. He is sitting here right with us right now. He is sitting with you when you think you're by yourself. You are not. He is standing guard at your door for you because he is able. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all able to be with you simultaneously wherever you are. Now, you think they're going to let a virus? All right, you got three watchmen. You think they're going to let a virus sneak in on you? Do you really? Do you really think that the three Persons of the single Godhead are going to let you be hurt. They're not. Nobody's going to sneak up on them. They're omniscient. They know all the knowable. They're omnipotent. They have all the power. And they are sovereign. Nothing happens without their permission. God is everywhere simultaneously. He is omnipresent. He is not bound by time or space. Are the people at CNN omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent? No, they're just people like you. He's right here among us at this very moment. And if you are listening to anything, listen to what God the Holy Spirit has to say to the churches. Make this the noise that you allow into your ears. In today's lesson, we will listen and hopefully we will hear what the Lord has to say in times of crisis. We will open our spiritual eyes so we can see his omnipresence right in our midst and so that we can see his omnipresent hand in everything that's happening around us. Okay, that was a great introduction, don't you think? That was amazing. I ain't through. I won't be talking for three, four, five hours today because you can't hear what I'm saying enough. All right, I'll cut it to an hour and 45 minutes. All right. I, I could talk all day about the Lord. That, that's an easy subject. All right, let's hear some music. So the Apostle James was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't believe in Jesus Christ. He didn't believe Jesus Christ was God until after the Lord's resurrection from the dead. Lived in the same house with him and didn't believe in him. James wrote what is considered by most as the first book of the New Testament, He was the head of the church in Jerusalem, and he was a minister to the believing Jews. 
the Jews who believed in Jesus Christ, who were scattered all over the region because of the persecution of Christians. His letter is a treatise on the practical aspects of Christianity. It's called The Christian Way of Living. He taught his church how to patiently endure suffering and scattering. He'd be perfect, the perfect pastor for us today. Because we are suffering and we are scattered into our homes. We've been isolated. That's how you defeat an enemy. You isolate them. You scare them. You make them anxious and worried. Because when you're scared, you're not thinking. When you're anxious, you're not thinking. That's the way the enemy is attacking us. By by scaring us and scattering us. But James had a fitting set of message for Jewish Christians in times of crisis. And he recommends that trials be greeted joyously. I don't believe you heard me. So I'll repeat that. He recommended that trials be greeted joyously. How joyous were you this week that you're going through this? That God has taken you to the spiritual gym. James chapter 1 verses 2 to 4 say this. Consider it pure joy, my brethren, believers in Christ, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know from experience that the testing of your faith produces endurance. James 1 4. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Well, here's June Murphy to sing about the trials of life in her song, Count It All Joy. Testing of your faith is worthwhile. It can produce in you patience when you're not so obedient, child. When you fall into various trials, count it all joy. Count it all. Afflictions are momentary and light. Count it all joy. Things work for the good when the attitude is right. You know that heartaches and
That was awesome. June sounds like a younger version of herself today. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> must be. It must be. Yeah, she's telling you to put a sock in it. That's exactly right. But So love, joy, peace in yourself, patience, kindness, goodness toward others, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your relationship with God. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for providing medical workers throughout the world like our own Jason Knack. Protect him and protect these workers from disease. But most of all, protect their psyches, their minds, as they witness suffering and death. Things that they cannot control, that they cannot do anything about. Let them see your almighty hand in the circumstances. Help them understand that you have placed them there for the comfort of those you plan to bring to yourself at this time billions of years ago. And give these brave workers on the front lines the internal strength to endure from the point. Father, thank you for the uncertainty of the times. Even though we don't know exactly what's next, we know from experience that we have your promises of absolute protection and hope, the confident expectation of a glorious future. Of course, we would like to live. Of course, we would like to go back to the lives that we took for granted. But we know there is going to be a new and freedomless normal in our future. And in spite of this, we rest, knowing that you have us in the palm of your righteous right hand and that no one can steal either our salvation or our victory in union with you away from us. Garrison our hearts and our minds and our ears, Father. Let us believe what you say in your word and not our enemies' lying propaganda. Let us seek comfort from the storms and the shelter of your protection and your love. And we ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, where is the Lord's hand in times of crisis? Where is the Lord's hand in times of crisis? Our God is right here, right now. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9, the Apostle Peter describes the joy us aliens are to experience as we live in the enemy's kingdom. This is called a doxology, and a doxology is praise, a praise passage to our almighty God who is completely worthy of our praise. Here's what it says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, back when we were sinners, when we were ungodly, unrighteous unbelievers, has caused us believers in Christ to be born again. We moved from spiritual death to spiritual life. That's what it means to be born again. To a living hope. And what is a living hope? Paul, uh, Peter mentions living about nine times in this passage. To a living hope, a certain and real hope through the resurrection of our living God, Jesus Christ, from the dead. Contrast that with false hope the empty and deceptive practices of the world where they're promising and they never deliver. See, every time that somebody in the world says a date and they don't come through, it ought to tell you 
one very important thing. They're not God because our God never lies. If he says A, it's A. If he says now, it's now. And that's it. And that's where we place our confidence. We do not place our confidence in people. We do not set our expectations based on what liars say to us. We don't. 1 Peter 1.4, allowing us believers in Christ to obtain an inheritance which will be made manifest in the future, will be clearly visible in the future, an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. As believers in Christ, our hope cannot be spoiled. It cannot be destroyed by hostile forces. Our victory cannot be taken away from us. Why? 1 Peter 1.5, you who are protected by the power of God the Father, divine omnipotence, through faith in Christ, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What is the last time? That time when Christ returns for us. 1 Peter 1.6, in this living hope, You believers in Christ greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. These believers were scattered about, we're scattered about. If you're distressed by this, okay, for a little while, for a little while. See, it's not that you won't get depressed. It's not that you won't get distressed. It's how fast do you recover? So whenever you feel distressed, go right to the Bible. Go right to the source and see what he has to say. And the Bible is chock full of promises. 7,000 promises about what the good things are that's going to happen for you. And then when you read it, believe it. Let it be your experience, not your intellect. Oh, intellectually, I understand that, but my emotions are saying a different thing. Tell your emotions to shut up. Tell your emotions they don't know what they're talking about. Tell your emotions to stop freaking. Like they said in the hood, man, why are you tripping? (laughs) Tell your emotions to stop tripping. Amen? Because that's all they're doing. 1 Peter 1, 7. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor in the revelation of Christ Jesus. What is the proof of our faith? Absolute confidence in our future deliverance from this and every issue. I have 100% confidence in the Lord. The Lord didn't put me in the house that I'm in so that it could be taken away by charlatans. He did not build me up to be a pastor so that that the rug could be yanked from under my feet. What do you think is true for you? Because he puts the worst people up front, so you guys are the best. If he's going to give that to the worst, it must follow that he's going to give something better to the best. Amen? But you're worried. You're worried. You're nibbling on your nose. And you know, how do I know you're worried? I mean, your face is up. You're, you're all smiling. Yeah, this is great. I love this pastor. He's so great. But I'm looking at your fingernails. I see your fingernails. You're biting on them. 
And now they took away the manicure thing, so I'm going to be able to see it even more. You ain't going to even be able to get a manicure or pedicure. Ain't going to be able to get your hair did. Going to be all nappy-headed for a few months. (laughs) Amen? That's why I shaved all mine off. I don't need a barber. I got my razors. I just got my supply for three months. I'm good. Relax, people. Relax. Relax. Just chill. That's what we're saying here. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.8 And although you have not seen the Lord, you love him. Isn't that something? Even though you haven't seen him, you love him. You understand that. All of y'all are sneaking off on dating sites, amen? You're flipping between the little thing. You ain't seen nobody. You believe those pictures you see. Well, you haven't seen the Lord, but you love him. And although you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's what I can't wait. I cannot wait to see the looks on your faces when I'm introducing you to your Savior in heaven. I can't wait to see the looks on your face. And I would be just standing there cracking up. Because I see the panic in your face now, and I want to see this joy inexpressible on your face, because you know that that's going to be for all eternity. You're going to look like that. In a place of no more sorrow. Can't wait to see that. 1 Peter 1, nine, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. The outcome of you believing in Jesus Christ is the salvation of your souls. We have a God of mercy. We have a God of peace. We have a God of comfort. And when you are not seeing these things in the world, mercy, peace, and comfort, when you're not hearing about these things in the world, mercy, peace, and comfort, Take heart, for the things opposite of mercy and peace and comfort are not from God. The stuff you're hearing on TV is not from God. It's from scared people who are puppets to a group behind them who's telling them what to say, and it's all designed to scare you, to make you anxious, and to make you feel lack and scarcity. I got plenty of food in my house. I got plenty of toilet paper in my house if I didn't have a thief in my house (laughs) regularly bringing his backpack in and toting off a a roll a week. You don't think I notice? My son, my older son, my progeny sneaking off with my toilet paper. But it's okay because I have an abundance of toilet paper given to... He's from the hood. You know, he's a spoiled rich kid but he learned his little hood rat ways from someplace and he's stealing from his dad. That's just wrong. (laughs) Yes. Satan is who inspired you to steal my toilet paper. Can I get an amen? Look, if you want to see God's hand in anything, you have to look in a different direction than the world is encouraging you to look because the world is encouraging you to be scared. There's only one thing that scares a wino, 
It's running out of wine. What are you scared of? Alcoholics Anonymous is going to thrive after this crisis because people are drinking like crazy. You just put something, you know, the, the winemakers are just funny right now. They ain't aging nothing. They just put some water in a bottle, dip a couple grapes in it, ship it. Because <laughs> people are drinking. Just drinking in world record numbers. So your peace is not in the world's viewpoint. It's in the heavenly viewpoint. It's in the divine viewpoint. It's getting behind God's eyes and seeing how he looks at this crisis. And he looks at this crisis and says, let me, let me ask you something. What virus is it that I'm not powerful, more powerful than? I parted a sea so that two million of my people could get across, and then I closed the sea over on top of the people that were chasing them. <laughs> you think I can't protect you? This Bible that I have, that is my exact thinking, my enemy has been trying to penetrate it for over 2,000 years. He's been trying to get the Gospel of Thomas in it, the Gospel of Judas, the Maccabees, and all this other crap. He couldn't do it. Because he's not more powerful than the omnipotent God. He can't penetrate that he's tried to offer up somebody else by whom you could be saved he couldn't pull it off and then when he couldn't pull that off he said well you could save yourself by being a good person you're not good people you've sinned and fall short of the glory of god but see all us weak people all us weak believers in christ we know how bad we are, and we know we need a Savior. And we said, hey, God, could you just put some righteousness here in my pocket, please? Could you just put your righteousness in my pocket? Because I believe that if you do that, if I just simply believe in your son, and you put your righteousness in my pocket, that when I die and go to heaven, if I just show that I have your righteousness, I can get into heaven free of charge. And that's exactly what happened. Old weak, black ghetto boy has righteousness right here in his pocket. And nobody looks at me and sees that I have righteousness. It's not what they see. I don't care what they see. I know what I got and what I can't lose. Amen? So... Your peace isn't in the world. God has prepared us day by day in our lifetimes through faith in him and in his word to live in a tyrant's kingdom and to thrive in the midst of it. Satan is a tyrant. He is not worthy to lead this world, yet he has been assigned to do it. And he is failing, and he's going to lose. So when you hear things, Designed to elicit fear. No, I, I stand corrected. He's not going to lose. He already lost. He lost at the cross. So when you hear things designed to elicit fear, respond with faith. When you hear things, 
that are designed to elicit fear. Go opposite. Faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 9. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we believers in, are in Christ are at home in this physical body, we're absent from the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk in our lifestyles by faith and not by sight. We don't have to see the Lord to know he's there. We walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5 eight. we believers in Christ are of good courage, I, Paul, say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home face to face with the Lord. What do I care if I die tomorrow? The only reason I care if I die tomorrow is because I want to be here next week to teach the Resurrection Day service to you guys. If I die tomorrow, I could care less. I'm not attached to anything that I have. And I'm certainly not attached to anything that I'm doing except teaching you. Other than that, you mean I could lay down tonight and get a personal escort by the Lord Jesus Christ to heaven? Huh? (laughs) Exactly, yes, please. Thank you. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Are you worried about dying? Believers in Christ? Why? Because heaven's bad? And, you know, some of y'all, you know, some of y'all can be in the ghetto in heaven. Let's just face that fact right now, right? But how bad can the ghetto in heaven be? How bad can ghetto perfection be? We know, Zachary, it's just an analogy. We know there's no ghetto in heaven. But if there is, you are definitely going to be there, amen? You toilet paper and stealing little rascal. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5, 9. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. And we are pleasing to him when we respond in faith not in fear. Is your lifestyle in this crisis pleasing to him? Do you see his hand guiding you through this crisis? Are you walking by faith and not by sight? Are you listening to him and not to the world? When we return from our five-minute break, we'll take your offering, and then we'll consider a couple more ways to see his hand in the crisis. Five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. Will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody. We're trying to tell everybody. All about somebody who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song to sing I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus When Moses had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight 
You picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose So when I hear that devil start talking to me Saying, who do you think you are? I say, I'm, I'm just a nobody
That's hilarious. Am I back? All right, today's Bible lesson. Where is the Lord's hand in times of crisis? Where is the Lord's hand in times of crisis? Well, in today's offering, we tap into the wisdom of Solomon, the world's richest man ever, who recommends wise investments at all times. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. My mom used to say this this way. She used to say, Cast your bread on the surface of the waters, and it will return to you a hundredfold. There's no wiser investment than an investment in spreading the gospel message worldwide. And through the courtesy of the Internet, Barah Ministries is able to do that. So be generous with your giving. During this time of fear and anxiety and scarcity, you can give on the website, you can give on the app, or you can give in person, or you can give in, by mail, in many ways. Show your confidence in the Lord through your giving. Give with faith in what the Lord will do with your gift and what he will do back for you in every circumstance. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with his always excellent offering message. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Bra Ministries, which is a worldwide Christian church. And Bra Ministries is a place where real people come to listen to a real pastor teach the real truth from the Word of, Word of God, which is the Bible. And yesterday as I was on my, I think it was my third weekend of pulling weeds with no end in sight, I figured out why this whole thing is so scary. Is because there is no end in sight. We just can't see the end. It's like, when is this going to stop? When do we get back to normal? When can I go to the store again and not worry? When do I not have to carry wipes with me everywhere? And it's just what, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thought. And, you know, you look at the lines in the stores. They're endless. You look at the shelves, they're empty. Like, where is all the flour? Who took all the flour? Like, seriously, did they not make that stuff fast enough? It's like, it's crazy. And then, you know, you got the postponed sports, and that's, that's, it's killing a lot of people. It's, this should be a really cool time with sports. You know, we lost March Madness, and hockey was finishing in the playoffs, basketball was going to playoffs. There's just no end in sight. And, but we as Christians have been, been preparing for this. We're not worried. Because we've seen 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we believers in Christ do not lose heart. For even though our outer man, the physical body, is decaying, all the flower is gone, yet our inner man, the soul and the spirit, are being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond our, our comparisons. See, this, too, this season too will end. We know it will be because the Bible says it's momentary and light. And the, the kicker verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. So we look not at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we know that what we're seeing doesn't really matter because we're looking at the eternal things. And we also know that we've, we never have needed to know the end or seen the end in sight. We don't know our own death, but we don't walk around every day thinking about, oh, how am I going to die? You know, we don't, we don't, 
talk about the heat waves. Remember the heat waves? We've had a heat wave in the summer where, oh, it's never going to end. There's no end in sight. We've dealt with that before. How about a traffic jam? Oh, man, there's no end in sight. I've messed with that before. Or what about world peace? They've been talking about world peace since I was a little kid. There's no end in sight with that. You know, why all of a sudden are we focused on this has no end in sight? It's like all of a sudden this is the one thing that's going to take us all out. And that's not what it is. I mean, I think the scariest example of no end in sight is the offering, right? <laughs> There's no end in sight. I'm going to be up here. Pastor will be gone. I'll still pop up. Hey, let's pass that basket around, y'all. <laughs> but see, we know we don't have to worry about... <clears throat> we know because, like Pastor mentioned, that it's, it's not what's seen, it's what's unseen. And Christ and the Lord is unseen. And He's sustaining all of us and will sustain us. And, you know, another um, example of no end in sight is funding for the church property. When is that going to happen? But we're not worried and we're not anxious because we don't need to be. God is going to take care of it just like he takes care of the birds. He's going to take care of us. And so thank you for always giving at the offering because you know there's no end in sight to our giving. And we've seen, we've seen this before. We've seen this worry this before. And we're Christians so we can deal with it. And so let's help others to deal with it by giving them the gospel and getting them the light, getting them to know the light of the eternity. And so thank you very much. beautiful offering song. There is none like you. And how true is that? There is none like the Lord. Today's Bible lesson, where is the Lord's hand in times of crisis? Where is the Lord's hand in times of crisis? Well, let's listen to some music. The world is discouraging, but the Lord is not. That's why I can't be discouraged. The Lord has prepared me to handle discouragement by making me Teflon, All of Satan's crap just slides off of me. Psalm 19, verses 7 and 8 say this, The law of the Lord is perfect, 
restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Psalm 19.8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, as the Lord was being tempted after 40 days of uh, fasting, Satan offered him uh, some food. He said, turn these rocks into bread. And the Lord answered and said to Satan, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Man shall not live on physical food alone, but man shall live on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man shall live on spiritual food, not just physical food. Well, here's Lauren Daigle to tell us what our Lord thinks in her song, You Say. Fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every heart again just who I am because I need to know
Today's Bible lesson, where is the Lord's hand in times of crisis? Where is the Lord's hand in times of crisis? Well, for my whole life, I have been pelted with discouragement. A friend reminded me this week that from birth, I wasn't wanted by my father or my mother or my family. That I've been told my whole life that I am a nothing. That I will never measure up. That I can't do it. That I'm a minority that I was married to women who were not on my side and who reminded me constantly that I was not enough, a life filled with friends who get close and then betray. Thanks, friend, for the reminder. (laughs) But then she said that God has prepared me perfectly to lead during a crisis. Amen? Because that's the person you want leading during a crisis, a person who can't be discouraged. Because I've faced discouragement my whole life from all the places that you would never want it. In a life of discouragement, you learn not to listen to discouraging words. You learn instead to lean on the encouragement of God and his word. And that's why my soul is armed daily with the word of God. So I can be encouraged. And so that I can encourage you. When you hear things designed to elicit fear, respond with faith. When you hear things that are designed to produce anxiety, respond with prayer. Prayer changes things. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 to 8 say this. Be anxious for nothing, which means stop worrying about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God the Father by regular prayer and supplication, emergency prayer. God, help me now. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God the Father, which surpasses all comprehension, something you couldn't even comprehend or hold in your head in a million years, will garrison, will guard your hearts and minds, will erect a military structure around your hearts and around your minds you who are in union with Christ Jesus. And the motto of Northwestern University, the finest university in the land, Philippians 4, 8, quae sunt vera, in Latin, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, let your mind dwell on these things. Whatsoever things are true, let your mind dwell on these things. It doesn't say whatsoever things are on CNN. It doesn't say whatsoever things are on Fox News. It doesn't say whatsoever things are on the Internet. Some speculation by some egghead who had nothing better to do than to write something that would scare you. It said whatsoever things are true. And everything in the Bible is absolutely true. And I've been studying it for 25 years and I haven't found a lie in it yet. And I'm looking. I'm waiting for that one lie to take me off the hook of being a pastor. And I haven't found it yet. Let your mind dwell on these things. Amen? So, we are not afraid. We are not anxious. And when we hear things that cause thoughts of scarcity, as if things are going to run out, as if you will lose everything, Think with abundance. 
John chapter 10, verses 7 to 10 say this. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. John 10, 8. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Believers in Christ, you're not to listen to the thieves and the robbers and the liars. You don't listen to them. They are not your master. You don't listen to that voice. John 10, 9, I am the door. Door to what? Salvation. I am the door to the narrow road. I am the door to the small gate, the narrow way that leads to the resurrection life. This is Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the door. And if anyone enters through me, that's a third class condition, if. If anyone enters through me, maybe you will or maybe you won't. You have a choice. It's a volitional if. He will be saved. If you do enter through Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And you will go in and out, in and out of the resurrection life, and you will find pasture, heaven. John 10.10, the thief, Satan, comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I, the Lord Jesus Christ, came that the sheep may have the resurrection life and have it abundantly. Is abundance the same thing as scarcity? Is it? No, it's the opposite. There's scarcity and there's abundance. The glass is half full, the glass is half empty. Now, if you find yourself as believers in Christ thinking that the glass is half empty, If you find yourself thinking with scarcity, then you're not thinking like the Lord. You're listening to the world. Stop it. Stop doing that. In fear, we we think faith. In anxiety, we pray. What did I tell you was going to happen with John Farley before he went into surgery? I said two words. What did I say? Full recovery. What's happening? Full recovery. Why? Prayer. Because God answers prayers. And anything you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. He's not lying. That was no stretch for me. I just repeated what the sovereign God of the universe said. I just knew it. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy for John. Cancer's not easy. Cancer around your spinal cord is really hard. There was a guy who had the same exact surgery a week before who died on the table. That is a serious surgery. And before he even went into the surgery, I predicted exactly what was going to happen. Full recovery. And that's exactly what's happening. And his cancer medication is working without chemotherapy. It's a targeted cancer medication that goes everywhere the cancer is and destroys it. It's straight from God. Prayer works. In scarcity, think abundance. You scared to spend? Spend. Don't be scared of anything. I'm not scared. Expect God to come through. That's what faith is. God, 
I'm spending this. I expect you to do what you said. God, you are on the hook. What does he tell us when we go before the throne of grace? Come boldly before the throne of grace. We don't go up to God. I, I know you probably, you know, I know you probably don't want to give, give me anything, but, you know, if you could see fit, could you? I say, hey, man, I'm about to spend some money, and I don't see a path to revenue. I expect you to do exactly what you said. I'm spending it, you fill it back up. And that's that. It's just like that. Because I have confidence in him. You know why? Because I've seen him for 65 years come through for me over and over and over again. He is so predictable. But so is Satan. Satan is so predictable. He's so boring. He's so uncreative because he always comes at us the same exact way. He scares us. And then I'm worried, wringing my hands. Like that's really going to add one day to your lifespan. It takes away your life, worrying. Oh, oh. Maybe the floor is not going to get down in time before the furniture comes. <laughs> Who gives a damn? Who cares when the furniture comes? Just sit it outside in the rain until he gets through with the floor. Amen? <laughs> Don't worry. We got nothing to worry about. We got a God who's on our side and not worried. He always comes through. Always, always, always. He's so funny. If God was a stand-up comedian, he would be the funniest guy on the earth. He picks a ghetto boy and puts black skin on him. That's a double curse. And then gives him to a mom who's making 14 grand a year with four kids and no husband. And then he makes the kid not wanted. Dad left 30 days after he married my mom when she said she was pregnant. Mom didn't want me. She wanted to give me up for adoption. Tried to abort me three times. That's God. You can't even make that stuff up. It's so funny. And yet here I stand proclaiming the excellencies of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen? You think I'm worried about a virus? That the best medical community in the entire history of mankind has been dealing with all 65 years of my life. And all of a sudden they forgot how to deal with a virus. All of a sudden. That's a joke. They didn't forget how to deal with a virus. There's something else in play here. So. Just expect God to come through because God always delivers. He's better than the mailman. My spiritual eyes see him at every moment. How about you? What are your eyes looking at? What are your ears hearing? Do exactly what God the Father said to Peter at the transfiguration when Peter was running his mouth. God the Father said, shut up and listen to him. This is my son. Listen to him. Here he is. God is talking to us 
through the Bible. Shut up and listen to him and stop listening to those liars who are trying to scare you. I am not scared. Well, I kind of am. If the NFL doesn't start on time, that's going to really bother me a little bit. So, anyway, listen to him. All right, so the closing moments of our study today are a reminder that God wants you. And what he wants is for you to make the most important decision of your life. So the closing moments of the study are for the benefit of anyone who doesn't have a personal relationship with the sovereign God of the universe, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want you to know that God wants you. And what God wants you to know is that 13 words tell the story of how to be saved. The first word is God. There is one and only one God. As it says in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5, I am the Lord and there is no other, and besides me, there is no other God. The one and only God reveals himself in ways that make sense to human beings. He is the one who wants to save you. The next word is mankind, a name for all of God's human creatures. John chapter 1, verse 3, All things came into being through the Lord, God the Son, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. God created all mankind. God created you. The next word is sin. All of us were born in a state of sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All creatures have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is no creature who is righteous, not even one. For all the I don't have to go to church crowd, you don't. But is anybody on the outside in the world telling you this, that you were born in a state of sin and you were born destined for the lake of fire? Nobody's telling you that. Churches tell you that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 22. All in union with Adam at physical birth, and that's every human who comes to the earth, are set to die the second death in the lake of fire. It's not our fault that we were born in a state of sin, but it is our circumstance. And sin separates us from God. So as a result of being born in a state of sin, all of us need a Savior. The next word is Jesus, the name above all names, the magnificent name, the God-man, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, the Savior of the whole world. John chapter 3, verse 17 says this, God the Father did not send God the Son as the Lord, Jesus Christ, into the world to judge the world. But the Father sent the Son into the world that the world might be saved through him. Jesus Christ is God, and he wants you to be saved. The next word is cross that thing that we'll celebrate next week, and the resurrection from the dead. The Lord Jesus Christ chose to become a sin sacrifice for you by shedding, by shedding his blood on a cross so that you wouldn't have to die for your sins. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, Being found in appearance as a man, the Lord Jesus Christ humiliated himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. John chapter 3, verse 16. God the Father loved the world unconditionally, and he loved the world so much 
that he gave his uniquely born son, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be crucified on a cross so that whosoever believes in him shall never perish but have eternal life. Jesus Christ had you in mind by name personally as he hung from the cross to pay for the sins of the whole world. The next word is resurrection. Three days after Jesus Christ's crucifixion, he proved himself to be deity, just as he said, by being resurrected from the dead. In Luke chapter 24, verses 5 and 6, an angel asks the women who have come to anoint Jesus' body on the third day after his crucifixion, why do you seek the living one among the dead ones? Jesus is not here, but he has risen from the dead just as he predicted. Being resurrected from the dead separates Jesus Christ from all who pretend to be gods. The next word is salvation. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 credits Jesus Christ with the salvation of the whole human race. There is salvation in no one else. And there's no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we must be saved except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you are to have salvation, it is only available through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot work for it. Accepting his work on your behalf at the cross saves you from an eternity in the lake of fire. The next word is grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 say this, By God's grace you have been saved through faith in Christ for salvation. And that grace and that faith and that salvation are not from the source of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Therefore being saved is not as a result of works, not as a result of deeds you've done in self-righteousness, so that no one may boast about saving himself. A God who is full of grace provides your salvation free of charge. The next word is faith. Matthew chapter 17 verse 20 says this, If you have the faith which is the size of a mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds, and of course you do because you have faith from God as a gift, you will say to this mountain, any obstacle, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. God gives you the gift of faith to spend on your own salvation. The next word is repentance. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow about his promise of salvation as some accuse him of. Instead, he is patient towards you unbelievers, not wishing for any of you to perish in the lake of fire, but for all of you to come to repentance. And repentance is a change of mind about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's you moving from, I don't want a relationship with him, to I do want a relationship with him. And there is nothing to lose for you by having a relationship with Christ. The next word is righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 31, verse 21, sorry, says this, God the Father made Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God the Father in union with Christ Jesus. Remember that righteousness that I was talking about that he sticks in your pocket? That's the one. Righteousness is your admission ticket to heaven. You have to be free from sin and to get into heaven. And since you aren't free from sin, God had to credit 
freedom from sin to your account. And he did at the moment of your salvation. So right now, right where you sit, if you're a believer in Christ, you are completely free from sin and completely ready for admission to heaven. When you believe in Jesus Christ, absolute righteousness is credited to your account by a merciful God. The next word is truth. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32 say this, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, the gospel message, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So 13 words tell the story of how you can be saved. There is a God, he is the creator of all mankind, and sin separated mankind from having a relationship with him. But Jesus Christ saved the day by dying on a cross to pay for the sins of all mankind. And his resurrection from the dead three days later proved that he is God. And as a result, we have a so great salvation provided free of charge through God's grace. A salvation that you cannot work for. A salvation that you cannot lose. And by spending our gift of faith, we can be saved. When we repent, We change our minds about having a relationship with Christ, and God the Father credits his own absolute righteousness to our account, a righteousness that is our admission ticket to heaven. And when you know this truth, it will set you free from slavery to sin and from bondage to the law. The power of the 13 words can be summed up all in one word, believe. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. When we believe, we take God's word for it concerning what it takes to be saved. So heed the warning in John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. It takes about two seconds. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. So use these 13 words that all boil down to one word, believe, to get on the Lord's team. Just take God's word for it concerning what it takes to be saved, and you will be saved. Do it now. Well, let's close with music. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. The sovereign God of the universe, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says this, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And this is a two-being yoke. When you are yoked with God, he's in the yoke with you. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls in me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a word that describes the people this sovereign God welcomes to himself. And the word is whosoever. And it's the name of a song by June Murphy. Here she is to sing it. Oh, 
Salvation's free. 
Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, we just thank you for all the trials that you give us. And one of the things we ask that you give us during this trial is patience. Patience with the family members that we're in the house with. And patience to uh, see this thing unfold. And patience in our souls waiting for your deliverance. And we're grateful that we can count on you to deliver us from every situation. We're grateful that every situation ends. And we know that whatever the end of this situation is, that you'll still be there as our ever-present help in times of trouble and as our guide down the path, the narrow path, of living in a kingdom run by a tyrant. And so we ask for your continued strength continued blessing, and continued spiritual eyes on your hope through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming, thanks for watching, and thanks for listening.